You're listening to the Queensland Theatre Quality Time Podcast. Let me set the scene. There's nothing easy about performing Shakespeare. The language, rhythm and pacing need to be analysed by each actor on a level that far extends a modern-day production. Throw in COVID-safe web auditions, directorial requests to casually learn flamenco on the guitar, and a 400-year-old script that walks the line of gender politics, and you've got an experience for our actors that was nothing less than complicated. Today, Leah Lewis is joined by Taming of the Shrew cast members Ellen, Leon, and Patrick to discuss how they've not only faced these challenges, but embraced them. Enjoy. Hello everyone, I'm Lee Lewis, I'm the Artistic Director here at Queensland Theatre and welcome to another Quality Time podcast. Now we started these back in the middle of COVID when we actually couldn't put plays on stage, but now we are back. It turns out everybody likes a podcast and it turns <laughs> out you're listening, so we're going to keep doing them because we found it's a really great way to draw back the curtain, if you like, on some of the processes, not only in the company, but in the the smaller companies that sit within the company, which are the casts and creative teams of the plays that we're doing. Now, all of the work that we do here at Queensland Theatre is on the lands of the Yagara and the Turrbal people. Stories have been told on these lands for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It always was and always will be our original land. And We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past and present who do so much work to ensure that there is a continuity of culture and that the stories told in the future will be together. Welcome to this fabulous team who are part of the cast of Queensland Theatre's Taming of the Shoe, which is going on in on the stage in a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a week. We have week. Ellen. And Leon and Patrick, all of whom are playing various characters, I believe. So you're playing mm. characters within the play, but and we'll explain it a little bit. But the play is being directed by the gorgeous Damien Ryan. Oh, he's gorgeous. Uh, who is one of Australia's great directors of Shakespeare, a great reimaginer, a reinventor, and a deep lover of Shakespeare. So while his adaptations can be sometimes wild, they are so honourable mm. and so deeply knowing of the play that he is working with that you could never accuse him of mangling the play, could you? Not at all. No. Talk, to, talk to me a little bit. Okay, first of all, okay, this is how it happens. I, we'll go off in all sorts of different directions. So make sure you get to tell me the things that you really want to talk about this play because otherwise we'll end up in all sorts of strange places. <laughs> Let's start in a really practical way who you're playing and a little bit of how that's happening. All right. You, you go, Ellen. Well, everyone's go, looking Ellen. at me, so I'll go first. So I am playing uh, the role of Tanya who is again, a reimagining of a character in the original version, Shakespeare's version, of the servant to Lucentio Tranio. So in, in our version, Tanya is the sister to Lucentio. And yeah, which means I get to speak a lot of words that were originally in the mouth of, of a male as a female, which is a very exciting and it opens up, I suppose, avenues and opportunities to explore what is the female voice in 2021. And then all, uh, we have other little characters, I suppose, that we play in the ensemble, but that's, that's my main shtick. 
And those little characters are to do with the frame that Damien's put around the play. That's right. It's been relocated to a sort of a fantasia, an Italian fantasia of the yes. 1920s and 30s based around the, the filmmaking world at that time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that I don't, don't have to step into that world so much but get to watch the entire scene take place, which is really fun. So Patrick and myself, our characters have stepped into Padua, stepped into this world, not coming from this, this place itself. And so we spend a lot of the play watching and being voyeurs to what, what is taking place in this Hollywood-like existence. Excellent. Which is super fun. And then it means you don't have to move any of the heavy bits, right? Uh, <laughs> um, He's got us working. We're yeah. pushing some things <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Patrick? I'm playing uh, Lucentio. So I'm kind of in Tanya's side cart, I guess, through this play. We've been traveling for some time and we find ourselves in, in Padua, which is kind of like, you know, it's the, it's the holy grail for me. It's, a, it's everywhere I've wanted to be my whole life and I kind of roll into this town brimming with ambition and excitement and good intentions but I think as the audience will see as the play unravels I'm kind of corrupted by the dynamics I'm surrounded by yeah as Ellen was saying we're kind of a voyeur to a lot of we're, we're a voyeur to this community for, okay. for much of the play and throughout that I think some pretty I guess problematic qualities. Okay, so your character, you're kind of like the young great actor who moves to LA. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and gets yeah. corrupted by <laughs> the living yeah, there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So I'm, I'm the heir to a, a very famous film actress. Played by the wonderful Barbara Lowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Very fitting. And um, I'm a screenwriter that's that's come to Padua. Okay. That's kind of the, the, the medium that, that Damien and I have gone with for, for this one. Yeah, Excellent. It's, it's very much that. That's, that's a, lot a of fun. very accurate comparison. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Leo? <laughs> well, I play uh, Biondello, who's the servant to these two, and he's probably not the brightest fella, but more so just because he's got different priorities because <laughs> it's, it's also fun to kind of – there's a lot of committee delate kind of stuff that comes out in this and that, that notion that the servants are kind of more aware than, you know, the other people. So I kind of dip my toe in that mm -hmm. as well. Also, I basically just get to um, be uh, the comic relief, I suppose. Walk into the set and drop props and stuff like that. <laughs> and might I add, he is very funny. So you're a good, now, now. good prop dropper then. Yes, and catcher. There's a lot of catching. <laughs> <in the laughs> <props section>. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> but it is that fun thing, isn't it? Um, it's fun getting to be those characters because ultimately the plays were built for us to be closest to the knowing servants, mm. to the idiotic aristocrats. Mm. Yeah. There's another layer of the play that's never on the page mm. but that the page affords various opportunities for great connection to the audience. Mm. Mm. Is, that, is that where you sit? Yeah, yeah, I guess because, I mean, it's the same kind of perspective as the audience where, I mean, you've got to be invested in the story but at the same time you're kind of like, you know, these fools, you know, first world problems and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Nice place to sit. 
Okay, so what's it like? You kind of get a, a call saying, are you available for this Shakespeare? Okay, we're playing it out as if COVID didn't happen, as mm-hmm. if that wasn't just the strangest <laughs> year of how to get a job because I'd asked Damien to come in to do this play specifically because I loved it so much. I thought he'd really rescued the play from a lot of the the politics that were telling us that we couldn't keep this play because the the writing of it meant that this wasn't a story we would ever want to take forward as a society because of the violence towards women inside it mm. and the oppression of women. And I'd seen Damien take this play and reinvent it as a director in such a way that made us keep some great stuff, question the problematic stuff, and really remind us that we just have to engage in really smart ways with Shakespeare if we want to hold on to some of these pieces of writing, which are gorgeous and fun. Yeah. So I'd asked him to come in and then obviously COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, oh, I'll, I'll see auditions on tape. So around the country, various people from Brisbane who were making their way back to Brisbane put down on tape performances. So in bedrooms around the country, people were putting yes. down on tape things. And then he sat and looked at all of it and cast without seeing people. So it was really a yeah. Zoom casting process, which mm-hmm. is sort of of its time. Mm-hmm. And so you land in a play where this director says, I've got this idea. What's that like as an actor? Yeah, I, I remember getting the email for the audition and I was really surprised, I, I think, to that this was the, the play that was being put on. But I was curious as to, to the vision and curious as to why it's, it's kind of taking up space. And Damon sent through a wonderful video with the audition that was kind of great and informing his direction with it and his thoughts on it which were really enlightening. And a lot of things that I hadn't considered prior. And after, you know, getting in the rehearsal room and being around everyone and and as we've kind of picked apart this play, it does make a lot of sense to be doing this play right now, Mm. I think. And that's one thing that I've really loved about Damien is he's a deeply considerate person, deeply, deeply considerate. He's considerate of the needs of his company of actors and the creatives he works with. He's considerate of the writer, the words that the writer uses and their place now. Meticulously, he he analyzes that. And with such a care and and such an incredible knowledge base and from his experience working with Shakespeare. And so I think, yeah, that consideration that he has has kind of made this process very whole. Mm. And and gives, I think, the telling of this story some urgency in terms of holding up a mirror to ourselves and where we're really at, I think. And great. Ellen? Um, I mean, yes, everything like PJ has said, basically. So, yeah, circling back to the audition process, I was saying this to Damien the other day is I, when I got through the email, like last year obviously was quite challenging for, for a, a lot of people. And I remember getting the email and thinking, uh am I going to audition for this? And kind of having this debate in my head about, oh, yeah, why not? Like I should, I should. Like, you know, this thing of, I don't know, COVID for me just, I I felt so, um, like everything felt like an effort because it was like, oh, I don't know. That's the effect that it had for me. Anyway, so now being in a room where I'm like, here I am and I was considering not auditioning just seems so, I'm like, Ellen, you idiot. Like, I'm I'm just so thrilled that I kind of went ahead with it because I suppose everything that PJ has said, yes, about Damien, but the company that he has, the team that he has put together is just 
so caring as human beings, but that consideration that was there from the get-go when we received those videos from Damien, mm. it sort of cultivated a room where everyone is so considerate, yes, of the work itself, but of each other and their own process and their own work. And I think what that has lent itself to is this idea that Damien is so excited about. And I think we all now are, is that idea of really embracing human beings and the complexities that exist in our relationships and ourselves and environments that we exist in and not shying away from that, really leaning into, okay, this is, yes, a comedy, but human beings, you know, yes, we say and do funny things and the play has that sort of language, but then also we are deeply flawed and we are deeply challenged at times by certain things, you know, blah, blah. But I think the most thrilling thing is that he is not shying away from really digging deep into human beings, human nature, and that's making for some really exciting stuff coming out on the floor. And I suppose the provocation that this play brings, not shying away from that because it's like, well, this is life, this is real, and it still is real in 2021 as much as we want to think it's not. I think the urgency and the importance of telling this play and putting that on stage and not shying away from it and not giving a wink to the audience and going, oh, oh, well, it was, you know, all a dream by removing the introduction of the play going, no, this is still really real. Human beings are flawed and this, these issues that we are putting on stage that Taming of the Shrew throws out as, is, uh, is important. It's super important. So, yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so many ideas in my head, but I guess my experience so far has just been so rich. I've never been in a rehearsal room where it's felt so rich in exploration and one minute, you know, people are in deep pain in a comedy, deep pain, and then next minute we're laughing at Leon Kane, <laughs> um, tripping over things. But it's it's true, isn't it? The, the best kind of laughter you can have is what, it's where it's in contrast to the deep pain. Yeah. It's the movement between the extremes that actually give us the dynamic, which mm. we love so much. Mm. Well, sometimes I find when, when something's been written that is ostensibly a comedy without the pain, mm. I... I don't know why we're and laughing. That's what Shakespeare is, has written. Yeah. The words are there. Yeah. It's all there. And it's just, I guess, what's so exciting is in, in this room, we're not looking to cheapen it by going, oh, it's a comedy, so we've got to do X, Y and Z. It's like, yes, there are moments of comedy and yes, they are hilarious, but it is also this. It is also this. Yeah. I'm so thrilled. I'm just every day just like... And look, thanks it's for thing, having me. The thing, isn't it funny though? You never know that thing of you sitting there and you kind of go, "Oh, can I, should I do this? Should I not? Do I, I want to?" Yeah. And it, it's and it's that really weird thing that that you all deal with it regularly and amplified by COVID. Mm. It's a very private and alone thing being an actor. Mm. I mean, it seems to the rest of the world, you know, you come out, you know, you're in these rooms and that sort of stuff. But a lot of your life is actually by yourself, finding the motivation to get yourself together for an audition? Do you put that thought into your head? You know, at what point do you go, it's, uh, look, I don't, I can't do it this week. Yeah. 
And it, and sometimes if you don't, you don't know what you're going to miss out on. Yeah, mm. but even mm. that, like I, I think last year, and I'll just again, my personal experience was just like I just don't know whether I can deal with being told no again. Yeah. Like it, that is very yeah. real for yeah. actors and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not depending on what's going on in your life because we're not consistent. And so it was that thing of like... I don't know if I have the en- the energy so to, to survive look. being told no. So yeah. maybe in a self protective way, it's better to not do it. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then you do it. And sometimes the universe is kind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sometimes something connects across That's a screen. Right. What right. is that? And then you end up in a room and you kind of go. And your life is altered by it. Yeah. 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 Big relief. Lucky I pressed that record button. Lucky, yeah. Uh, yeah. That you kind of, uh, you know, and, and we were all working out how that could work last year. It was fascinating talking to Damien going, I wish I could just be in a room because uh, rather than looking at screens to decide whether I want to work with someone because we've got mm. this funny thing. There's high-end communication, really high-end stuff, which is the world that we live in as theatre makers, it's the last 5% of communication mm. that, it, that you can't put your finger on. Mm. All that information that transmits between bodies and we're used to being attuned to it, mm. reading really little details in the way someone shifts in their seat and leans forward, leans back. And a lot of that information is missing in that screen space. Mm. So there was sort of like this <laughs> leap of screen faith, if you like, yeah. that happened in the beginning of this. So it's ironic that it is in the, in the film world. It was <laughs> so fascinating to hear what other people did because, you know, we're in Brisbane community and we talk and it's like, oh, what did you do? What did you do? How did you, you know, it was really interesting how actors, because we are creative beings, found a way around that and found a way to communicate and connect with Damien in, yeah. in a way that you usually would get to if you stepped into, into a room, a room into an audition room. Yeah. yeah. What do you need in order to know whether you want to do this? That's right. As an actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's one thing to have the conversation about, but then it's actually the the on the floorness. Okay, I'm going to start with you, Leon. Having said yes, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going into Shakespeare. Yep, fine. Yes, I don't know you as a director. What was your first week like? Oh, yeah. I kind of remember Damien's so sweet he was just apologizing the whole time like we were, we were working around the table for two or three days just on the text and he kept saying sorry about this guys and it's like are you kidding me like yeah. <laughs> this is like the best thing ever we get to sit around with brilliant people and brilliant minds and discuss Shakespeare so that was pretty cool I remember being kind of very grateful at the end of all those days and there's there's a lot in this show. The first week, I think we also were kind of looking at, it was just ideas were coming thick and fast and it was like, okay, so got to learn some German. I've got to learn the guitar. There's a couple of songs in there now. There's that little routine. There's that sequence. So in terms of bang for your buck, this, <laughs> this show's, this show's up there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot in it. Uh, and it's a, it's a big big show too so now it's it does you know there's a little pressure time wise but I think when it all comes together it's going to be so much fun. So you're in your final week of rehearsal now yeah? Look you've got through the worst bit. I always think week three is the worst bit when it, yeah. when you actually kind of go, this is never going to work. It is from a director's point of view mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. By the time you start to get a, getting towards the end, you can start to see bits gathering, even though it does, doesn't feel like it from your points of view. You can start to see the gather. I think we're just, we're probably going to be there today, I yeah. think. 
when now that we're in the theatre and we've got yeah. some set. Well, of course, we had the luxury because of the Bill Brown Theatre of being able to move into it ahead so, of tech. So mm-hmm. It doesn't often happen. The weird thing is that the more theatre you do, the less time there is in the theatre in a strange way because if you're not putting a show on, you're not earning money out of the space, the old producer knowledge. So because we still have space between our shows here, it does mean the last week of of rehearsal for Lucky we can actually be in the theatre. And before you put the lights on and all that sort of stuff, before all the costumes arrive and everything. So it's a chance to actually play in that Bill Brown space. Mm. Yeah. Which is also really great because the set is incredible. <laughs> um, Adam Gardner has designed an incredible set, a moving kind of, I don't want to say monstrosity, it's m- monster in its size, mm. um, which is great because we were in there yesterday for the first time and manoeuvring three different gigantic set pieces is going to be a feat in itself. So it, it has definitely been wonderful that we can move into the actual space and get a feel of what that's like. Yeah. yeah. And also I think in the rehearsal room we've really earned that sense of an ensemble, you know, so yeah. to, we've all kind of been working very intimately together for, for three weeks now and so to take that into a space and to have all the toys and all the props and the lights and to mm-hmm. see the, you know, all the seats, that's something that, yeah, you can't, you can't rush and it's, it's kind of we've just created that together as a company of creatives. Without giving away the whole thing, what bits of it are you most looking forward to? Hmm. Should we go around? (laughs) (laughs) There are so many really exciting little bits. I mean, just maybe because it's freshest, we worked on it um, on Friday and yesterday, but the crux of the whole play being the kind of the end with Kate's monologue, that was just really fun to actually kind of be getting we stuck into that all yesterday and so just that is it's really enjoyable even though it's quite brutal and stuff just to search that out and we we did it a couple of times and it was really different and in different ways each time and I kind of maybe just because we did it yesterday I can't wait to actually kind of do it and just have that feeling of what we've left the audience with yeah. Kind of like, there we go. That's that's what it was. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that and all the other funny bits. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fascinated. You've learned the guitar? No, I, I think I'm safe. I think they're just going to play a thing, but there is some flamenco. And, you know, I, on that day, Damon was like, oh, yeah, so you just hand him the guitar and then you play <laughs> <laughs> flamenco. And there is an easy way to kind of cheat flamenco, which I think I've sl- slowly mastering. <laughs> so you you, you said perfected yesterday. No, yeah. no, I don't. you used it right. No, well. Uh, <laughs> You've got to have dreams. You've got to have yeah, dreams. Yeah. You've got to have a goal. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> so all you fl- uh, flamenco aficionados, come on in and see how far you can get in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. <laughs> the internet's so great. I literally Googled. How do you fake flamenco guitar? And there was a video first thing that had it that as the title. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, YouTube. Oh, <laughs> that is amazing. When I was little in the land before the internet. Shock horror. I know, right? <laughs> when we had an assignment, I remember in primary school, there was one set of world book encyclopedias. Yeah. Does it? You just changed and the words to that paragraph. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, you did. And you used to run to the to the 
library to be the one to get the World Book Encyclopedia yeah. out first because oh. that's how you got your assignment done first. And I remember yeah. running and now I'm like... The dog ate dog world out there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and now you just have to be prepared to... I would call it dumb Google and I'm really good at the dumb Google in my house, which is why I'm the best Googler. Yeah. Because you have to be willing to... How to fake flamenco guitar, not yeah. how do you play flamenco guitar. Uh, yeah. No, right. how do you fake it? Look, you've got to be yeah. really honest. Mm. Yeah. And I would call it dumb Google because if you ask the scientific question, you're going to end up with all, you know, the Google Scholar level of things, right? Yeah. You don't need that. No. We need things no fast, yeah. we need it cheap, right. we need it nasty and we need it effective. So come see Leon playing fake flamenco. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting thing and I suppose that's why this kind of conversation, rather than sitting in the publicity space, is the chance to actually talk about the play and what it means to you. I suppose you're the first audience for the ideas that the director has. If, if a director can't convince you that mm. it's worth doing mm -hmm. in the room, then there's no way you're going to be able to convince an actor of its truth. Mm. Have there been any any moments in this play that where you kind of, you, you know, you've got this brilliant mind in Damien Ryan, like working to convince you. Are there any bits where you kind of go, I'm still not there yet? Hmm. I haven't really considered that. I guess maybe, maybe that's my answer is that I've, it wasn't really a persuasion. Damien's vision made sense to me yeah, as, okay, a, cool. as a human being, as a person, and so I guess as an actor and as a performer, I've been lucky enough to be given a role that not every production would have Tanya as, as a voice in, in this play. And so I've been allowed to explore something new, which is thrilling and exciting and I get to um, really dig into, okay, cool, if we're going to change this character into a female gender, why? Why? And, and what, what, are, what, am I what, are we, what are we saying? What does this do for the female voice in 2021? And I, I just keep circling back to that and trying to be as honest as possible about what what my character, who my character is, what she has to say and why she's saying it. And who am I giving voice to in the current climate? Mm. It's interesting too because because Damien has his own company, which is Sport for Jove. Mm. Uh, he was very active in working towards gender equity to parity, uh, which in the hardest of the hardest of classic collections of work in that there are not a lot of great female roles. There's some very good female roles mm. in Shakespeare's canon. But in working to make those changes, he was a, he's ahead of the curve in a, a lot of directors in having made those changes and understanding the implications for the plays yeah. and managing to do that without, again, without wrecking the plays. That's right. He, he was very big on the idea, Taming of the Shrew, Shrew being a woman who speaks. Mm -hmm. And so both myself and Barbara are characters, he's tried to balance the play with the female voice. And what is thrilling as well is that we've now got five women in the cast, but four, like, oh, he's done this amazing thing. It's, I don't want to give too much away, but basically <laughs> you've got female voices in the cast that are shrews in their own way just by speaking. And, you know, the play is so deeply problematic in a lot of ways and not shying away from those problems has, it's just, yeah, I, I mean, I've just been excited since day day one just to go, the provocation of this play is so deeply important still, so let's do it. Let's, let's rip in and also go, we're not trying to say one thing, we're trying to say many different things through the voices of 11 different actors 
we are saying this and this and this and this and not leaving anything no stone unturned like we'll have robust conversations in in rehearsals and go well let's try that and see what that looks like and like, what's like thrilling what? like what give me one of your so moments. okay so um one of the things that we've been exploring is the relationship between myself and and patrick lucentio the brother sister relationship and because this is a relationship that didn't exist in the in shakespeare's version it was a a servant and a master what does that relationship look like and what is available to explore given the words on the page now being spoken by me and then the response that is then given by my brother how can we paint something that is not just we are functional characters that drive the plot forward from a to point b which in shakespeare a lot of the characters do how can we create a a rich relationship between these two where the, where the audience in, invest in mm-hmm. in those two characters as much as they do in Kate and Petruchio, the A-B plot lines, which can often quite be quite jarring in a Shakespeare. How can we bust that open and go, no, 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 there's more, there's more, there's more, and it's there. We just have to mine for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's one thing that mm. it's just been like, Oh, this is this is the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have seen the two of you wandering around the building having very complicated conversations, deep in thought. Oh, yes. <laughs> sometimes and sometimes, yeah. I'm just I'm like hanging out. <laughs> Do we? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and what about you, Leon, in so sitting in that space that is the servant space and the watcher because often servants are present to see things and the way they comment is not necessarily on the page. What do you see in this world? I think it's kind of funny for Biondello because I think for most of the play, he'll probably come across as the fool, the idiot. But, I mean, the journey that's going on in my mind as Biondello is often that he's kind of just enjoying sitting back and almost laughing at them, even to the point where he's well aware that um, Kate's actually pretty cool. He kind of has a lot of respect for her. Like everyone else thinks she's this bizarre outcast freak kind of a thing, whereas he's kind of like, "Mm, I kind of dig her because she's actually more real than all of you and so she's probably more in touch with truth than a lot of you. And then that really pays off at the end when, well, it's kind of a weird thing um, in that last scene where he almost feels a little bit guilty as well, but is very glad to see that, you know, she's kind of openly hitting the nail on the head. Is it that that guilt of not having said something to support someone before? It's, It's almost that kind of thing like, yeah, even though I haven't taken part, I've still been a part of this and I might go get a job somewhere else. Yeah. Because <laughs> these people aren't great. Yeah. That sort of a thing. And look, hey, maybe that's that COVID thought too, but there are a lot of people stepping away from their industries going, yeah. actually, no, now that it's been revealed what how it actually works, mm. I don't want to keep spending my life supporting that thought. Mm. Talk to quite a few friends that have just actually moved into completely different industries mm. because they've just realised that they don't want to spend their life propping up a status quo that they ultimately ethically don't believe in. 
Uh, and that's been an interesting thing. So that, that question of what, what happens to Biondello post, <laughs> post <laughs> the play? Well, I, I also kind of like to have this little backstory that <laughs> when he goes home, they all think he's a servant and, you know, he's, you know, the poor servant, but he actually goes home and his life's like perfect. He's got this amazing <laughs> place and this gorgeous family. Yeah. And they all think he's, you know, oh, I wonder what his house is like. It's probably gross. But he's got this gorgeous garden and this, you yeah. know. I like, yeah. it's not important to the play whatsoever, but. <laughs> no, but it is an interesting that thing, isn't it? We never know what, what's actually going on with people. I think that's what, what was so funny of last year was actually seeing pe- where people were living through Zoom. Mm. You know, uh, when you're in a company, you realise you don't know people. Mm-hmm. You might work with them for more hours of the day than you spend with your family, but you've got no idea what their lives are, what they look like. You know, we started meeting people's cats and dogs and kids, whereas we keep so much of that stuff that means so much to us away from our work lives. So that Mm. layers and layers of people Mm. that we're never aware of. And I suppose it was a year where people started going, actually, why don't I? Why aren't I more aware? Why aren't I considering this more deeply? So it's, it's interesting to see... I don't know. We won't know now. This is one of my big, big wishes. Okay, big, big question. Would you... If you had to choose between teleportation or time travel, which would you choose? Wait, okay, that's a big... Okay, well, while you decide... Um, why can't you teleport through time? <laughs> no, well, Wait, good what? question, good question. If you're inventing the machine, you might be able to. But I've always wanted to be able to be 200 years from now, to look back on this and see where we're at, what was really going on. Mm. Because mm. I used to do history, I remember, always remember the 100 Years' War, and I was like... They weren't in a hundred years war when they were in it. They were just in the war that was happening around them at that point. At a certain point, it adds up. <laughs> they weren't going. There's only two years left, yeah. guys. <laughs> and, and you know, and it's interesting. We're just at the point this year where the U.S. troops are going to withdraw from Afghanistan, mm. and they've been in a twenty-year war that was never going to be called a twenty-year war. Do you know what I mean? It was always mm. supposed to be a short engagement. They were never mm. supposed to be there that long. Mm. So for me, it's time travel. Yeah. When I'm running late, teleportation would be great. Yeah. But in the bigger scheme of things, I would I would have to go with time travel. Yeah, teleportation to me just seems a bit lazy. It's just like no, I just. But it could be life saving. But how? Well, you, if you're about to, you know, die. Yeah, but I, would I'm yeah, but I'm like I'm meant to die in this moment. So we're, why would I teleport? We're going to need another hour to yeah. discuss yeah. this. <laughs> time, um, time travel is exciting for me because I've so always just tell wanted Kat to. That will be another hour. <laughs> time travel for me would be pretty cool, I think, as well. But I'd want to make sure not to mess with things because I don't. I wouldn't want to like change <laughs> things because, yeah, that whole knock on butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah not. I wouldn't change stuff, but I'd just happily just be like... A voyeur. A voyeur. Oh, there you go. So, so you're still the role voyeur, I was I born to play. <laughs> I just pictured you in a marketplace 2,000 years ago yeah. and then your iPhone rings in your pocket <laughs> and you're like, oh, I stuffed it. Oh, no. <laughs> and you're like, hey, what's that? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> An oblong. A sonic oblong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd have to go with teleportation because of the same. I'd be terrified of... Changing things. Wait, teleportation or time travel? No, teleportation, teleportation. because I'd be too He doesn't want to mess with time. Oh. So too scared of time travel. Oh. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'd be terrified. I wouldn't touch anything. <clears throat> now, now that, not that that's going to be useful to you at all in your day to day. Well, you'll see, Lee, when I teleport around that stage. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. as a director, to be able to teleport people into the right place on stage, as opposed to having to make an entrance in the dark, you yeah. know that. Mm. Bong, 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 bong. Yeah. Do you need some more light there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, teleport. It'll be great. We'll just yeah, be able yeah. to pop yeah. people you, in. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that scene when you teleport over there. Yeah, yeah. It'll great. be great. It'll great. be great. Done. So, so yes. Again, not that that conversation is going to help you at all. <laughs> and aren't you glad you kept listening to Quality Time with Queen's Theatre to know whether people want to teleport or time travel? But I suppose that I look, no, it's a reach for me to say uh, anything that that belongs to this conversation at all, apart from <laughs> the plays lead us into big questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what these plays do, which is why we do them, because they are that complex. And the fact that they're that complex is the reason that they've, they've travelled across time. Mm. Shakespeare's been able to resist the tinkerings and questionings of directors and casts across the ages. You know, the Charles Lamb's versions of things where they just cut out bits of the play that they didn't like completely, you'd end up a half a play. Every age looks at this material and uses it to articulate the thoughts of the time. And they do it because there's so much inside it. You're right, it's all, the words are all there. But the emphasis that we put on things changes meaning entirely and allows us a window into saying something completely different. Yeah. Mm. And that there's magic in that. Mm. And there's inspiration in that for everybody that mm. we can speak across time, if you like. Mm. You know, that there there was a a man back in the uh, back in the sixteen hundreds putting some words well, this is mm. in the fifteen hundreds, mm. putting words down on a page that is still interesting and challenging to a group of actors in a room in Queensland, Mm. uh, which didn't have that name back then. Mm. (laughs) I think that's magic. I do. I think there's there's something about, there's something deeply comforting about ability to survive time. And and there's the, the experience of every single character in this play beyond the play is so fascinating still. There's such a, at least to me, I think I'm so curious about what happens to every single person after the the show finishes. After the lights come yeah, out. What, yeah, what happens to these then, individuals? What happens to their mm. problems and their complexes and, and their relationships? And yeah. that's that's really fascinating. It is. That so long after the play has been written, yeah. there's still such nuance in these people's lives. That we go um, out into the night going, I wonder what happens to so-and-so. I wonder what happened yeah. to them. Oh, I reckon they did this. I reckon they did mm. this. The sequel. Tell me the true sequel. I think mm. that's what we've heard. There's <laughs> many. The, sequel? There's uh, many. the sequels. Yeah. The spin-off the series. Dello. <laughs> the spin-off series is Beyondello. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, you're going to have to tune in another time with quality time to see what happens with the possibility of sequels or you're just going to have to come and see the play. Mm. It'll be going for a few weeks in the Bill Brown but you have to come and see what this extraordinary group of people has has made for us piece by piece, word by word. There's a journey to go on with this one and there's a a big conversation that sits inside which I hope you will want to be a part of with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good rehearsal day. We will. Um, Always. I'm going to poke my head into into rehearsal sometime this week and see how y'all are going. Can't wait. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon.
Bye.